Hello and welcome to Children of the 80s. I'm Liana. And I'm Jamie. And we're here today to talk to you about Raiders of the Lost Ark, the 1981 classic starring Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, John Reese davies and lots of other people. When did you foresee this movie, Liana? Well, I don't think it was in 1981. I was a pretty young girl at that age. And th- though this film is many things, it's not really targeted at... Six-year-old girl set? The six-year-old girl set. No, not so much. So I, I don't remember when I first saw it. It is one of those films that I remember having seen... Many, many times. Yeah. We owned this on VHS. We actually, we didn't even tape it off TV. We actually bought it and had the, you know, the picture on the box and everything. So That's was, pretty fancy. Oh, no, look, this, this this was a formative movie for, for my family. I'm not actually sure we owned any films. What? In the case on VHS. We, you know, we, we weren't like in the, in, in the US of A mm-hmm. where people could just buy. You're simple people. <laughs> yeah. You sing, you dance, you clap. We recorded yeah. from... TV. Oh, we did too. That's what it was all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we did too. And we had the, um, we didn't, our, we didn't have a remote control, but we had that pause button on the long wire you could plug into the VCR. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. we had that too. That yeah. was a remote control. So when you, so when you were recording off TV, you could push a button to pause during the ads. Nice, yeah. nice. That that. Well, so we tended to record only because we were, you know, we were going to bed, and right. the movie started at eight thirty, and you know, so we didn't tend to do that you just had to fast forward when the ads came around right okay yeah, no. no, it's a level of sophistication that i'm not sure that we could really fully match so 1981 i was also living in spain at the time so i don't know how wide the distribution of raiders of the lost ark was into spain certainly there were there were films that came big films i do remember seeing star wars uh, in 1979 mm. in in and the uh, the sound of music also in spain right. dubbed in Spanish, of course. Can which you dub a musical? Uh, yeah, which much to my mother's like very great disappointment because the singing was apparently not as as strong as the original cast. That's that that's that's strange. Right? I don't know. I thought it was fun. It was all good. So yeah, VHS movie you've seen a lot. Like it's the kind of movie you see on buses. On aeroplanes. Slumber parties. Slumber parties. You know, it's a film that just keeps giving and giving. Yep. Basic plot synopsis, kind of the true life experience, based on the, oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the, the real life experience of a, of a hardworking archaeologist. Most archaeologists have this, pretty familiar with this sort of thing, really. So Jamie actually has an archaeologist in the family. Yes, and, uh, so my sister is an archaeologist. And she, so archaeologists apparently love this movie. And it's kind of funny because only now rewatching it do I realize there are a number of digs at Indy early on about the fact that he's basically a grave robber, right? There, there's a, there are a lot of kind of comments about that, that he's basically stealing antiquities. So you, you just said love this film, but you actually said it in a way that didn't suggest sarcasm. I, no, I, no, no. Archaeologists genuinely... I always is, thought, thought this would be the kind of film they love to hate, you know, that it was like... Mm. If only we had some way of, of finding out from a group of we'll archaeologists. Never know. We'll never know. Yeah. So normally at this point, I give a brief summary of the plot. And you can't really summarize this plot briefly because there is so much going on. There, is, there are a <laughs> lot of different... Well, you know, there are many, many steps along really? the way. Really? Because let, let me take a crack okay. at it. <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones, uh, archaeologist, foiled by his nemesis repeatedly, decides to pursue, to head off the Nazis, to pursue the Ark of the Covenant, goes, gets into lots of fights, eventually manages to live through the angels of death staring down the Nazis, and uh, he gets the girl. I don't think that didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> And I will, and you also you also compress the middle ninety five percent of the movie into gets into lots of fights, which 
I guess yes. In that case, you can't yeah, summarize okay, the plot. What else is going on? Yeah, well, okay, he does get into a lot of fights. So let's say one thing that I think this movie does really well is it picks an enemy we can all agree on. The Nazis? The Nazis. Yeah. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm against the Nazis. Well, so, you know, the interesting thing about this film, well, I mean, there's many things, interesting things about the kind of context and history of the film, but Spielberg directed this film and he was really keen to direct a James Bond film. Oh. But uh, George Lucas, who wrote the script for this film, um, or the screenplay, as they call it. In Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay. No, no, they, they, no, no. He wrote the, well, okay, sorry. Lucas wrote the story. Right, okay. Right? Yep. And in fact, Lucas also told Spielberg that he had written three of them, mm. which was a lie. So it turned out that he only told him after Spielberg had signed on that he hadn't written the other ones. But he said, I've got a character better than Bond. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Which is, I mean, it's a tall order, and I'm not sure that it totally holds water given that Bond films are still being made. And Indiana Jones films are not? Correct. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that does explain one thing, which something I didn't notice the first ten times I watched this as a child. So Harrison Ford, most of the movie you see him in his, you know, adventure outfit and his hat. But the guy can wear a suit. Yeah, I had to say I kind of came back. And again, you know, as a six-year-old girl, you're not paying that much attention to this stuff. I looked at it and I thought, yeah, he is a really good-looking guy. Like, I think he looks better in this film than he does as Han Solo. Like, he just... Mm. But it's interesting because he wasn't that well at different points in the film. Really? So he was actually suffering from dysentery. Huh. And one of the, what, you know, what is considered to be kind of one of the funniest. Those must and, have been some deleted scenes. Well, well, one of the, one of the, what's considered to be one of the kind of funniest fight scenes, if you can have such a thing, of all time, and in this film is the... In the they, marketplace. In the marketplace. So, you know, they're facing off. Yep. The swordsman kind of does the kind of the amazing whip around display of swordsmanship. And you think there's going to be this giant back and forth fight between the sword and the whip. And, in fact, that's what had been choreographed. Oh, right. But then what actually happens? Well, what actually happens, of course, is Harrison Ford just gets sort of sick of the whole thing and just pulls out his gun and shoots the guy. Yes, so obviously a really practical last-minute decision is he turns up sweating and clutching his guts with dysentery, and instead of going through... That's a vivid image. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's how I understood it was. He was pretty in pretty bad shape and you can actually see some of that kind of sheen and pallor in it if you look he, he oh, looked right. great and so yeah you know he had this whole complicated rope scene they just went straight with the shot and what a great thing they did too because obviously it has gone down as one of the greatest fight scenes of all time and funny you know and it kind of gave yes. the, yeah, the whole yeah, movie yeah, a real yeah. sense of and this fun. movie does have a lot of comic relief in it right so a lot of movies like this from this time are very serious and they're this one has much more lighthearted, which i like Yes, one of the kind of big reviews at the time described it as droll, and I think that's... Droll? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I buy it. So what did you think of the movie overall? You know, I have to say, I, I think we're going to have a different point of view on this film. Oh, uh, I, I don't like where you're headed with this. I, I think this is a real boys film, and I, that's obviously a complete stereotype, but one of the female reviewers at the time called it a machine-tooled adventure. She was not particularly... Mm. And, and that was not positive. a good thing. No, that was not a good thing. Yeah. And in fact, they named a bad character after in the next, next film. But I, 
like reading her review, I had the same response. Mm. I just, I just found it. Yes, there's a little bit of humor, but for the most part, for me, it is a whole lot of fight scenes. I thought it was visually an impressive film, and when you think about actually, they were nominated for loads of awards. The awards that they won it for were sound editing, visual effects, the you know the scene kind of decoration or whatever that that category is. Cinematography. No, it's not cinematography, but it's kind set of like design. set design, yeah, something, yeah. something. And I, I think it does deserve credit for that. It, it's a visually striking film the cuts in the early in the early scenes which are set in peru the kind of jungle stuff and then the very dry archaeological stuff are good but just and maybe it's because i've seen it over and over again man you should see you should see the expressions i'm getting here as i'm saying this (laughs) (laughs) jamie is literally sitting here with his arms you know folded uh, so i i can't say i disagree with, with what you're saying right like like your categorization of it a boy's film um, I think the key difference between us, though, is as a boy, like that suits me, that suits me just fine. But I don't disagree, right? So the, there's not a lot of deep character exploration. I really like Marion. I think Karen Allen does a fantastic job with that role. But although Marion is a strong character, she spends the whole movie being captured and carried around and rescued. And right? rescued, yeah, yeah she precisely. She doesn't actually do anything else. It, although, interestingly, there's a couple of scenes where she fights when they are fighting simultaneously. Yes. So in the scene where uh, the bad the Nazis turn up at her cafe, the cafe that she waitresses at, she's like in there with the rest of I them. I think she owns that cafe. Oh, that may well be. Hashtag feminism. Yeah, that yeah. may well be the case. And certainly the other kind of theme running through it is that she can drink them all under the table. Yes. And she uses that on a couple of occasions. But despite that, she then... Kind of, yeah, she's in, pretty hopeless. She, you know, she, they then cap, they sort of stick a basket over her head and whip her off the back of a, you know, on a lorry. And yeah, I do want to like, say, why I couldn't think... you kick him in the head and roll off the back and escape? So, like it, it doesn't hold. I like up. your sort of alternative history Indiana Jones that you're scripting out here, Leon. I, I just, uh, I'd watch you that know, movie. I mean, why not? Right? No, she's I... so she she was actually really rough with the other guys. Yeah. And, and it, I, I will say knocked this. Knocked a few of them out. It does not feel like it would be that hard to escape from a basket, a basket being carried by On the two back men. of a lot. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, just, but even before that, right? She's being carried. She could just stand up in the basket. Yeah, stand up in the basket and, you know, Wiggle poke around, one of them in the eyes. Over. I mean, yeah, I could, yeah. And then, you know, the scene where the sleazy Nazi comes and sort of gives her the pretty dress because... It's not a Nazi. It's the French archaeologist Belloc. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <sighs> you see the details become... Dealing with amateurs here. Easy for me. <laughs> but you know why why did we need that scene we did not need that scene especially because nothing actually comes of it as a result you could have cut no that well scene. and then i mean to to she does then challenge him to a drink off it which she yes. wins you know summarily but, but she's it still doesn't help. it still doesn't help right yeah she's still kind yeah. of captured at the last okay point. so i do want to hear some things that i really like about yes. this movie right so i do think the character of marion is Marion is great, even though they don't actually use her well, but she's a well-defined character, and Karen Allen does such a good job with that role, so I like that. I like John Rhys-Davies as Sulla. Like, I think he does a great job as well. And one of my favorites... Sorry, remind me who... Like, just, just or remind Have our... Have you seen this movie? <laughs> just remind our listeners who Sulla is and who John Rhys-Davies is. Right, okay. So uh, Sulla is Indy's right-hand man, the the best digger in Cairo. Yes, um, and the family man. Yes, and a, and a family man. He saves him from the uh, poisoned dates by grabbing the date in midair. Cool that's right, move. that's right, because he um, sees the monkey. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, well, another one of those dead monkey clues that uh, you see in a lot of Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, so I thought they were both great characters. And he's funny, too. Sella's he is really funny. funny. Yeah. Yes. He, yeah, he's, 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 I agree. He's a very likable character. I think of John Rhys-Davies as going on to amazing success after this movie, but I think that's just because he was in the James Bond movie The Living Daylights, which I've also seen many times. <laughs> Aside from the Indiana Jones movies and Living Daylights, uh, it's, 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 a bit, uh, it's a bit of a thin filmography. But I like him a lot as an actor. And then... The whole scene around the dig in Tannis, where the Nazis are looking around, although they, they're digging in the wrong place, but the wrong place seems to be kind of a 600-acre pit. Like, they're digging a lot. They have a lot of people for digging in the wrong, digging all over their place. But I do still like that scene. I very much like the scene in the map room, right, where he's got the stick and the staff and the light comes through and the music. Like, I think that's a very well-crafted scene. And it's scene. a very iconic scene, right? You it always is. sort of feel like ever, ever after that you expect it in every movie that the light would, you know, match. And, in fact, yeah. it, it has, right? There's lots of other sort of tropes yes. on that where the light comes through and it lines up and, you you know, this sort of sense of the perfect buildings and the sunlight revealing all the secret clues. Yes, that's true. And the music is great. The music is good, although I have to say, having watched it quite close, to Star Wars and understanding the Lucas link and it's John Williams it feels a little bit lazy mm. so it's great music but it's you know he was like I've got a good thing going theme body yeah. around it and the body around it is so close when you listen to the scores between Star Wars and and this these films it is really good music like there's yeah, no yeah. question but it's not it's not an inventive departure from No, well, no, it's very very similar to the Star Wars movies in a lot of ways. Well, and the other thing what you said about James Bond earlier was really interesting because now that you've told me that having seen a few James Bond films, this movie very much follows that structure of a James Bond movie, right? So most of those movies you just follow Bond from place to place around the world, he follows clues and has adventures. And this yes. is actually, from a formula standpoint, this is very much like a James Bond. It makes sense. That, so the interesting thing about the casting was that there was some hesitancy on the part of Spielberg in... Harrison Ford? In Harrison Ford, because he was worried that he would become kind of his only go-to guy. So that was a mistake that somebody mm. had made with Robert De Niro and he'd kind of kept coming back and back. And so they looked quite widely at different, at different guys. You know anyone else they looked at? Yes. Well, the, the person who actually, I think, accepted and then made a decision at the last minute not to was good old Magnum P.I., Tom really? Selleck. Yes. Huh. I've got a lot of cognitive dissonance as soon right. as you said that. But I actually think he would have done quite a nice job because he's got that same sort of, you know, good looking but droll. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Magnum yeah. Pear is a very, a very yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, he's a... He's a he, Action he, comedy. Yeah, he, he doesn't take himself very seriously. So I, my understanding is he was signed up and then at the last minute he got this other gig and he couldn't kind of make the hey, two here, of Hey, here's a creative idea. You know they should have cast Indiana Jones? Karen Allen. I think that would have been fantastic. I would have, I would, that would be a great movie. Yeah, she would have been great, absolutely. So can I talk a bit about, about some of the other casting choices? Yes. I thought they, they, yep. So first of all, we've talked about Karen Allen, we've talked about John Rhys-Davies. I do have to tell you some of the other, remember I said that he'd gone on to do other things as well. Here are some of the other movies that he was in. Anaconda's Four. Oh, I love that one. That's the... That's the Trail thing. of Blood. Yeah. <laughs> that, wait, that's, the, it, that's the colon Trail of yeah, Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anaconda's Four colon Trail of Blood. <laughs> Um, Which, can I just say, is a ridiculous title because anacondas don't leave trails of blood. They swallow their prey whole. These anacondas have hemorrhoids. I've, I've seen the videos. 
Oh, right. Okay. The well, anaconda's like... It's a shame you did not consult on Anacondas <laughs> 4. You they could, should have asked me. Yeah, you could say Trail of Peristalsis. That's how they swore. Oh, yeah. oh yes, That's I suppose. That's how they swore so. things. Yes, yeah, I yeah. yes. Um, Okay, right after that, he did a movie called Crawd Man Dune and the Flaming Sword of Fire. Mm. Which sounds good. How did that go at the box office? Um, very well. Yeah, biggest <laughs> hit of the eighties. Um, there is an umlaut over both the O's and Crod Mandoon. I don't. Um, know, I actually don't understand the word you're saying. So it's a name, Crod Mandoon. Crod. Crod. K R O D. That's the title character is Crod right. Mandoon. I thought you were saying like crawd, like crawfish or something. No, 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 no. And I thought it was like man. No, it's some guy. It's like dune, a, it's, like a, a, it's dune. like a Conan ripoff. But I also I, I don't do know like, how I can ever understand you. It's I very like the, confusing. Yeah, we we Americans, <laughs> we're, it's an elusive accent. A lot of people have trouble with it. Um, the subtitle of that is the Flaming Sword of Fire, which I also enjoy. Mm. Um, mm. He followed that up with doing some voice work in uh, Tom and Jerry Meet Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it's also a good one. Is that a movie? Uh, yeah, or, or it's, an an anima- it's an animated movie. Oh, I yeah. thought it might have been live action. It might have been direct to VHS. Wow. Like, yeah. And then la- last but not least, 100 Degrees Below Zero, and the subtitle is Cold as Hell. <laughs> so so just, just leaping back a little bit and speaking about VHS, so this was a little bit slower than they expected at the box office initially, mm. which, is, which was nerve-wracking because in order for this movie to make a profit, it had to be the most successful movie Paramount had ever released, which is like low, low... Yeah, that you know. mistakes. <laughs> Why would you ever construct it, something on Because they spent basis, so much money right? on it. I, I assume okay, the budget right. must have blown out. But, so, it's expensive to hire Nazis. There aren't very many left. No, that's right. They, so they can command <laughs> extravagant rates as a result. They only made $8 million in the first weekend. Oh, right. And Superman 2 knocked them out of the park yeah. and stayed on top for a number of weeks. But gradually, word of mouth got out. And I think by uh, the next 100 days, it was $135 million they made in total. Yeah, but sure, after that, they were pipped post by Anaconda's 4 Trail of Blood. <laughs> but did Anaconda's 4 Trail of Blood go on to be one of the, not, the top 25 grossing films of all time? I'd like to think so. <laughs> it was number 22. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark was number 22. No, 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 I don't know. I, I, oh, well, right, it was one okay. of the top 25. I probably should know, but I don't. Right. I think one of the other really interesting things about this film, so talking about VHS... On the first day of its release, at a price of $39.95. So just think about that, right? This is in the 80s, paying $39.95. You wouldn't even, like, contemplate doing something like that now. Couldn't buy the parts for that. On the first day, they sold 425,000 copies. Wow. That's a lot of plastic. That is 425,000 copies at $39.95. $17 million. They went on to sell more than a million VHS copies, the first film to break the one million barrier. Wow. It's, it's incredible. And it, if you think about it, it's such a different thing. Like the world has changed so much in this time frame, right? Because we don't have VHS anymore. Because we don't have VHS anymore. Like I just, yeah, yeah. you know, if you think about uh, the kind of the, the physical reality of everyone going to the store, buying a copy. Mm. Did you, you, you bought, the, I can't even remember you, like you bought them from say, kind of Kmart, but then you could also buy them from no, Blockbuster no, and stuff No, at like first that. you only bought them from video stores. That was a right. thing. Yeah. Um, we, again, we never bought them yeah, from well, video stores. I mean, I mean there's, there's high class and then there's just being silly. Thirty nine ninety five. Think That's what you could do with that money. A lot sure of money. Was. Um, some other great casting choices. Uh, so Denim Elliott, Marcus. Yes, the, yes. So he's a fantastic actor. He's a classic guy. Yep. Uh, went on to do Room with a View and Trading Places. Yes. 
Um, and then similar films. In yeah, very, ways. very, very similar films. Um, and in fact, a lot of them, a lot of people refer to those three movies: Raiders, Trading Places, and Room with the View, sort of a trilogy. Yes, right? so yes, like, it's like, an like yeah, like you know, color the co- three colors: red, white, and blue. Sure, and sort of, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and then here's one that you may not have thought of. Remember that at the very beginning, he's running through the jungle, and there are those two guys that he's with when he's looking Indy for the gold is. idol. Yeah, India is. Yeah, one of those guys is Alfred Molina. Who goes on to be one of the, a big figure in the Spider-Man movies? When you say a big figure, what do you really mean? Oh no, he's the villain. One of them. In one of them, I feel like that's like I, I feel like you have low bars for celebrity. Well, that bar was set by <laughs> Anaconda's four trail of blood, <laughs> right? True. So this to me is like it's all on the it's, it's like finding a chest of gold. <laughs> the other big name, of course, is Lawrence Kasdan, the screenwriter who did a lot of st- still doing Star Wars stuff, but he also did The Big Chill and The Bodyguard and a number of other as well so it's a pretty pretty formidable crew yeah and the writing is it's sort of funny it's dry but it's it's sort of funny right okay well okay yeah i'll take it we also have to acknowledge that philip kaufman was part of the he he co-wrote the story with george lucas who's philip i don't know but i just felt bad that i'd left him out early right okay philip if you're out there we acknowledge your contribution to this fine franchise gratefully acknowledge yeah please give us a call we'd love to hear from you (laughs) so a good-looking film. They they travelled widely: France, Tunisia, yep. Hawaii, California. What do they do in Hawaii? Well, I assume that's where the Peruvian jungle scene. No, no, no. They tell you at the end of the credits that it was, it, it was somewhere jungly. It was somewhere in Central America or something like that. Well, maybe they were. Do you lying. need anything more precise than that? I think, that's, <laughs> I think maybe yeah. they were lying. Yeah. So certainly they were in Hawaii. So they travelled widely. They made oh. You know, I really want to talk about the end of the film. Right, okay, yeah. A lot of valuable lessons in that end. Yes, so we gave you the very brief plot synopsis, but they find the Ark of the Covenant. A bunch of fights followed by Angels of Death. Yes, they find the Ark of the Covenant, and Mm. of course... They, the reason they want the Ark of Covenant, the Covenant is because they believe that it will help them succeed in battle. Mm. This well, is the Nazis. This is the Nazis. Like yeah. And the reason that it was originally buried when it was first found was kind of bad juju. Mm. And they, the box it's that they're carrying... It's a technical archaeology yes, term, everybody. I learned that from it my is. sister. The box that they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant on the ship, the first inkling you have that these legends of bad juju mm. might be accurate are that the, the Nazi logo symbols get burnt out. They just mm. kind of shoot a bit of smoke. And then, of course, when they open it, out fly the angels of death. Yeah. Who shoot white-hot laser beams of... To be clear, we don't know exactly what they are. Well, they're the angels of death. It does, it does say that. Because the subtitle said, and the angels of death, like... Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the angel of the death fly up yeah. and then shoot... No, the subtitle's in the film when we were watching it. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Uh, come shoot out with their laser beam eyes. Yeah. Liana is making laser beam eye hand gestures. Yes, it's so like cool. it's a little bit like jazz hands, but pointed down from the eyes with yeah, yeah, waving yeah. fingers. Yeah, it's quite spooky, actually. Like a jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so somehow Indy knows that whatever you do, you don't look it in the eye. Everybody knows that. Right? So, Everybody knows if the Ark of Covenant is being opened, you close your eyes. So he tells Marianne, close your eyes, and they're clinging to some sort of pole. They're tied to a pole. Oh, that's right. They're closing their eyes. While the, the white hot laser beams are just shooting out and killing everyone else who has their eyes open. Mm. And not only do they have their eyes open, it's like they can't stop looking because they're greedy bad guys, you know. So they're looking, looking, looking. Yeah. And then when, and it's pretty gruesome. I mean, people have been kind it of skeletalized. Yeah. 
But then it all cleans up very neatly because when Indy and Marion open their eyes, there is nothing to see here. Angels of Death are very considerate. Like There's that. the Ark of the Covenant still, right? Yeah, it's still the lid, there. Yeah, the, so the lid gets shot up into heaven or somewhere and then just lands right back down as yes, it was. Yes, but there's no bodies. Yep. No skeletons. No blood. No blood. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, th- I liked that. It's quite neat, tied it all yeah, in a bow. Yeah. It, it, um, it also means the Nazis didn't... There was nobody, no other Nazis. Every single Nazi was there. And then the other important thing is that they, they package it up and they ship it away to Area 51. It's not actually Area 51. It's just an anonymous government warehouse. No, it's Area 51. It what? says... Because they, they have a thing that says Area 51. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the final scene is very famous. So... Indiana Jones wants to know what's happened to the Ark and the government won't tell him. Mm. And the last thing you see is they've put it in a crate and they just put it in this giant warehouse with a billion other crates. But that scene at the end, so you talked about Indy cleans up well in a suit or Harrison yes. Ford cleans up well in a suit. They have that scene at the end and he's in a suit and you're right, looking very dapper. They added that at the end because they thought they needed a bit more romantic closure mm. because, you know, they've sort of been tied to that and then you haven't seen them again. So they have a smooch on the steps. yeah. yeah. And that sort of meant to do it. I think the problem was they didn't want to go full James Bond, right? So there's no sort of hanky-panky along the way. You know, James Bond kind of, like, there had been plenty more than smooching earlier in the But piece. don't they smooch earlier? They do smooch earlier on the boat. And he's also, she, they're also ex-boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've already had a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, he's a, he's a much more, you know, modern oh, yeah, hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not it's more family-friendly. James Bond date rape. Yeah, you know, yeah. nudge, nudge stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, family-friendly movie, but still really violent. And that was also something that was picked up by the... Critical reviewer's name you can't remember? Yeah, well, different critical reviewer actually just commented that There's for a PG film one. it was pretty yeah. violent. Yeah. And then, of course, this, the next film came out, and it, you know, we'll probably review that, and it's like crazy violent. Well, you know that next film, Temple of Doom, sorry, yeah. spoiler for everybody, um, that was actually the film that gave rise to the PG-13 rating. I, I saw it as, I don't yeah, know, so did I, I was I saw 10 the or 11, and, was, and I, was, I'm still mentally scarred. Yeah, it was shocking. We may not be able to review it. We yeah, I don't be, know if yeah. I can go back there. Too yeah. scary. So you're, you're, you're a mixed bag on Raiders I am. Lost I thought maybe if I watched it as an adult, I would sort of get it more, and it would be... But I had the same response. I found mm. myself a bit like, okay, all right, already. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. look, um, no counting for taste. I thought it was great. <laughs> uh, great movie, great cast. Lots of Nazis get their butts handed to them like what's what's not to love what's not to love there you go yeah excellent well that's about it for this episode of children of the 80s uh tune back next time